You're listening to West of Middle East, a podcast about changemakers from the Middle East diaspora living in the West. I'm your host, Shuka Kalantari. In each episode, we hear from Middle Eastern immigrants and first-generation Americans who make it their careers to create positive change. West of Middle East is created by the Neda Nobari Foundation, an organization supporting dynamic projects in pursuit of social justice. We change the narrative about what the Middle Eastern diaspora contributes to the West. We go beyond stereotypes to create a cultural bridge. In season one of West of Middle East, we begin to build this bridge in California. In this episode, we hear from a Syrian refugee in San Francisco who works to educate communities in the Middle East about LGBT rights issues while teaching people here in the West about what it means to be a Middle Eastern refugee. Subi Nahas and I are in the Castro district in San Francisco. Subi lives down the street and comes here often. He loves the Castro. He feels safe here. His life's not at risk. Not like in Syria, where he was born. Subi came here as a refugee in 2015 to flee persecution for being gay. Subi tells me that Harvey Milk, the first gay man to hold public office in California, started his LGBT revolution a few blocks away from where we're standing. Yeah, it's right down the street. It's like where Harvey Milk started the whole movement. Like, really, if we walk down the street, we can just be there. Subi is an LGBT rights activist. He escaped Syria in 2012 and spent a few years in Turkey doing activism work before coming to the U.S. Subi says it's important to teach people in the West about LGBT rights issues in the Middle East. At the time when I was here, ISIS publicized in a video, like videos and pictures all over the news about how they're executing gay people. So, but to my surprise, when I went out and started to do like this kind of trainings and talking with people about the immigration issues and refugee issues and stuff, people sometimes approach me and say like, oh, that's so cruel. But is the government doing anything about it? And I was like, <laughs> our government in the first place, they, they're the ones who, who made the laws that want to kill us or like imprison us. So how would they do something about it? And from there, I understood we need to raise the awareness about the issue. We need to, to tackle this first and then make a safer like haven for people to escape to so they can at least like survive, you know, and escape death. Subi started Spectra Project when he came to the U.S. to help raise this awareness. Spectra Project gives support and education to LGBT communities in the Middle East while also doing advocacy work in the U.S. One main goal of Spectra Project is to help countries like Turkey, Lebanon, and Jordan better support and understand their LGBT citizens. The other goal is to get the U.S. to pressure those Middle Eastern countries to treat their LGBT communities with dignity and humanity. That's why one of Subi's first tasks in America was to be the first openly gay man to address the United Nations Security Council about these issues. To me, as an activist, I want people to know and I want people to understand what's going on and I want them to know why it's happening. I mean, I was scared because it's going to be a lot of publicity and it may hurt a lot of people, but I was like, this is my end game. As an activist, I want to do something to change the way people think and behave. But what I didn't know is I was the first ever openly gay person 
to, to address the Security Council about any issues that related to the LGBT community internationally, not just refugees. And I was like so surprised because I know that in America, they talk about these issues. They have a lot of laws and they have a lot of entities like the Human Rights Campaign and Human Rights Council. They talk about LGBT, but I never thought that nobody brought it to the Security Council before. So that added a lot of pressure on me like because to be the first ever to address the Security Council about gay issues was was a lot of weight on my shoulders. I told my story. I told them what happened and how it got there. I told them about the government treatment for the gay people before the, the militia. I told them about al-Nusra. I told them about what ISIS is doing. And then I implored them to do something about the refugees in general, to open their doors to everybody who is coming, not just to open it for gay people, but for everyone, because most refugees are escaping from those people or escaping for their lives, for their children. They leave everything behind to seek safety. Subi's story, at least for us, begins when he was 15 years old. That's when his parents sent him to a psychologist because students at his school in Syria bullied him for being different. The therapist diagnosed Subi as homosexual and immediately called his parents. He painted the picture of like gay people were like sexual deviants and deserved to be imprisoned, killed and like either cured or killed if they don't get like cured. I was scared. I didn't know. I was 15 years old. I had no idea. I believed that I was sick and I needed to be treated. That's what I believed because he said it and he's like pretty like knowledgeable person to me at that time. Ten years later, the war in Syria began. Subi paid a taxi driver to drive him to Lebanon and take care of all the checkpoints. Subi pretended like he couldn't speak. He said he was afraid his voice would give away his homosexuality. After a few months in Lebanon, Subi started working with an Arabic LGBT newspaper. From there he went to Turkey, and then the U.S., continuing his advocacy work along the way. So. I entered a stage or a phase, what I call is detoxification, where I started to let go of everything that I learned about myself and my sexuality and everything that I learned in Syria about anything and started to question everything that I learned until like I started, oh, okay, I was right. They were wrong. And I have nothing wrong with me. They were wrong all along. But that took me years. Subi says for years, he didn't speak in Syria for fear of being persecuted because of the sound of his voice. So speaking at the United Nations Security Council about being gay was one of the biggest transitions of his life. Mm. <laughs> that was one of the hardest things that I ever done because I was not able to speak at all before and I didn't want to speak because I would be identified and killed and targeted for that. But to be here in the States and to stand up before like governments and talk about how I am gay and refugee and experience those things. It was pretty liberating experience. After that, I started to have like more confidence. I started to talk to people more about it. I started to feel more comfortable in my, you know, my body and my skin. I still don't feel comfortable hearing my voice. I mean, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, but still it's, it's a process, and it started when I started speaking 
out loud and loudly about the issues and started with the Security Council. Subi tells me in San Francisco, especially in the Castro district, you don't get judged for being gay. But the funny thing is, Subi now gets judged sometimes for being from the Middle East. Even in the gay setting, in the gay community, it becomes more obvious. Like, for example, when I go to bars or something and I want to start a conversation with anybody, of course, they are going to ask where you're from because I don't look like American. So when I say Syria, many of them just like the conversation just ends. But I don't know why. I think it's they either don't know anything about the country, so they cannot continue the conversation, or they know about the country and I, they assume that I would be like a terrorist or some kind of, you know, a serial killer or something. But that happened a lot of times. And now I don't go into the bars unless I'm with like group of people. Subi is one of over 10,000 Syrian refugees that the U.S. has admitted in the past few years. Not a single one of these refugees has committed a terrorist attack. In fact, according to the Cato Institute, the chance of an American being murdered in a terrorist attack by a refugee is 1 in 3.6 billion per year. But when many people look at Subi, an Arab man in America, they think terrorist. It's the same. It's identical to be like persecuted for being gay. There's no difference at all. So it makes it a little bit more, I wouldn't say dangerous, but I would say sad because coming all the way, escaping from all the persecution to come here and feel safe for being gay and not safe for being who I am. It's like being gay and being from the Middle East are the same identity to me. I identify as a gay Middle Eastern man. And to be persecuted for any of these like traits or like personality things, it just makes me really sad. Subi believes things like speaking about LGBT issues in the Middle East to the UN Security Council can help change perspectives. That's also why he agreed to be the Grand Marshal at the New York Pride Parade in 2016. Grand Marshals lead gay pride parades. They're considered heroes who have made significant contributions to LGBT communities or to society at large. Subi says he didn't want to be a part of the Pride Parade at first because of the attention it would draw. But I ended up saying yes because it would not just send a message to myself that it's okay to be who you are. It would send a lot of message to a lot of people, especially like gay youth still stuck in Syria, gay youth who's like, became refugees because their families, you know, felt ashamed of them or they want to kill them because they were gay. I thought that if they see this, it's going to be like a message to them. It's like a message of hope. It's like there's hope. You will one day reach a place where you would be celebrated for who you are and you would be loved for who you are. It's not the end of the road. It's like you're, let's say, in a very dark place at the moment you may find a place where you will belong later. That's the message that I wanted to send for people, especially for gay youth who's still stuck in Syria or in Turkey or Lebanon. Three of Subi's sisters back in Syria never talked to him again after that. But Subi says if he got the chance, he'd agree to be Grand Marshal at the New York Pride Parade again. Back on Castro Street in San Francisco, Subi and I walk past Harvey Milk's old shop, the place where he created a safe haven for LGBT Americans. Like Harvey Milk, Subi wants to promote safety for LGBT Middle Eastern people. 
I wouldn't compare myself to <laughs> Harvey Milk, but I was inspired by his actions, especially in the political movement, and I wanted to give a voice in this, like, to the voiceless, and especially the LGBT community in the Middle East is marginalized. It's just like nobody admit that we even exist. But LGBT people do exist in the Middle East. There are millions of people like Subi looking for safety, at home and abroad. Subi wants these people to stand up and share their stories, like he is. I think that we need as Middle Eastern and North African people to come together and start to actually push back and start to fight and start to say, no, you're wrong. We're your sons, your daughters. We're here to stay. We're not going to leave. Especially for people who's like first generation or second generation in countries like the States or places where they can't ask for their rights. And I think we need to start this movement where we become like one international community. Subi Naha says if LGBT Middle Eastern people come together across the globe, they can teach their home countries that there's nothing wrong with being homosexual. And they can show communities here in the West that there's also nothing wrong with being from the Middle East diaspora. You've been listening to West of Middle East. You can hear more episodes about changemakers from the Middle East diaspora at westofmiddleeast.org. If you like what you heard, rate us on iTunes. Our podcast is created by the Neda Nobari Foundation, a group supporting dynamic projects in pursuit of social justice. Seth Samuel is our engineer. Music is composed by Loga Ramin Torkian and Azam Ali. Our reporter and producer is me, Shuka Kalantari. If you have suggestions for what you'd like to hear on season two of West of Middle East, or want to share your thoughts about what you heard just now, email us at comments at westofmiddleeast.org. Thanks for listening.